Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church podcast. Each week we'll bring you the latest preachings from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much. That was solid, like always. And uh, today we have so many good things. But first of all, Kaylee and Daniel, how, how much God still wants to do in your life. And we're really encouraged to see how you are seeking to see Him, not only do things in you, but you know that if He has done it in you, He can do so much more even through you. So we really encourage you and just keep on that walk. And everyone that always brings their testimony is a, is a testimony of walking together in the rhythm of God. And I really want to encourage you so much, so much. And that's not it. That's not it. But, um, but let's now, let's go to a bit to the Word of God. And uh, before I introduce this lady, this lady has been a, a great friend of my wife and I. Her husband is a really good friend as well. Um, and I have seen how she, she's used by God to bring such a stability, such a, such a, a flat line in the good sense um, to any situation God puts her in. Um, there's a, there's a, a, st- a stability from God that lives in this woman of God. And I really want to encourage us to lean in. This is the Sunday to take, to take actually good notes, you know. She's going to speak very clear and she's awesome at that. She's a lot better than I am. And honestly, her life is even a higher volume of the testimony. So really lean in today, in today's word. Amen, amen. Now let's just go to the word of God and I want to invite um, Kelsey to come over. Thank you, Lord. Now we have a big applause, mate. Everyone else. Thank you so much, Chris, for the introduction. Um, for me, it's such a privilege to be able to share with you guys. Um, yeah, I've been part of Anchor now for a few years. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited to share what God's kind of put on my heart for this morning. Uh, and he's going to take us a lot throughout the book of Nehemiah. Um, it's actually a really good book. It's full of so much meat. So we're going to kind of start at the beginning of Nehemiah and work our way throughout that. Uh, and so the title for the preaching today is going to be called Found in Service. So just to give you guys a little bit of context before we get into it, uh, Nehemiah has actually just been you know, informed in this passage uh, that basically the city where all of his ancestors are from uh, has been completely destroyed. It's been burned down and all of that. Uh, so we're just going to jump right into the story. And it's in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And it says, Early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. And for me, this is already something so crazy in this story, is the fact that he didn't, you know, he was in a, a position that really wasn't a great one. You know, he was the cupbearer for the king. And to be the cupbearer means that you were the person who's standing there next to the king, uh, you know, testing all of his liquids, all of, you know, the wine, anything that he was being given uh, to make sure it wasn't going to poison him, you know? So you're putting your life out on the line for somebody else every single day. And I mean, that's not an ideal position to be in, uh, but that's where Nehemiah found himself. And uh, he'd never before appeared sad in the presence of the king. And that's a crazy thing, you know? It shows about his attitude. Um, Yeah, and verse two uh, says, so the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And again, that shows the attitude that he had in front of the king. You know, he wasn't just like in a way of complaining. You know, he wasn't like, I don't know, just acting so disappointed with where he was. But he came with good spirits. You know, he came with good spirits to serve the king uh, and to yeah, put his life out on the line for him every single day. Uh, and verse 3 says, Then I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king. 
How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, Well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it please you, the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, said, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. And what strikes me the most from this passage is that what we see here is in the midst of a situation that was disappointing, Nehemiah was found serving. He was found blessing the king, serving him. And something that I have experienced a lot in my own life is like when something disappointing happens, you know, it's so easy to become so consumed by that disappointment, you know, or I, this is not where I thought I would be at this point in life, you know, or this isn't how I thought this situation was going to turn out. I didn't think things would be like this. And it's so easy for us to be so consumed by that disappointment and just to focus inwardly. Uh, but Nehemiah wasn't just focusing on the disappointment, you know. He wasn't ignoring that he was disappointed because he was. Uh, but he was still extending and reaching out. He was still serving. Uh, he was still blessing someone else even through that moment of disappointment. Uh, and something else that I really love about his response is he wasn't, again, just being consumed by that disappointment, but he wanted to be part of the solution. You know, as a church, it's so easy to look around the world and see things that are not going well. You know, it's so easy to see that there are just things that we want to change. You know, we wish things would go better. We didn't like what's happening with the government. We don't like what's happening over here, over there. Uh, and it's so easy to just stand back and, you know, become spectators and we, we talk about it, you know, or we judge it, you know, we gossip about it. Uh, but we don't ever, you know, want to take that step to actually be part of the solution. You know, and Nehemiah wanted to be part of the solution. And as a church, we're called to be part of the solution. You know, we want to see change. And God's given us that capacity to bring the change, you know, to be that change. And Nehemiah wanted to be part of the solution. Uh, and that's something that's so important that we can take away from him to not be so consumed by the disappointment or things not being the way that we thought they should be, but to come out from ourselves to take a look around us and see how we can be of service, how we can bless, how we can bring change. And so that's just the first part of what I took from my time reading Nehemiah. Um, so we're going to go a little bit further on in the story. And at this point, you know, in the story, Nehemiah has uh, gotten permission to go and to rebuild the city. Uh, and we're just going to pick up in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. And it says, But when Sanballat and Tobiah... Keep note of those names, Tobiah especially, because we're going to talk more about him later. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashadites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. And that, that little bit in verse 9 is what I really want to highlight, that we prayed to our God and we guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. And when we're serving, when we're out there in the world, when we're, you know, trying to, to be part of the solution, it's really easy that we can become influenced by what's actually happening around us. You know, there are so many thoughts and perspective and things that don't actually align with God, but maybe we kind of like the way those sound sometimes, or we like the way that that thought or perspective makes me feel, or... You know, sometimes it gives us a justification for, for something else that we're living that doesn't really align with God either. And it's so important that we're on our guard, you know, day and night as we're rebuilding, as we're serving, as we're being part of that solution, that we're 
constantly staying on guard, you know? And in order to stay on guard with what you're doing, you know, you, you need to know the enemy. You need to know what is coming against you, you know? And that means if you're the type of person that struggles with your attitude, you know, and you find yourself constantly complaining and just looking at the negative in things, then you need to have a weapon with you of praise and of thanksgiving. Because when we're praising and when we're thanksgiving, that completely changes the perspective that we have. You know, complaints completely take us away from our purpose. You know, complaints are the enemy of purpose, to be very honest with you. Um, they take us just to focus on ourselves, you know, and what's serving me, what's not serving me. But, uh, you know, praise and thanksgiving takes us back to focusing on God. And whenever we're focused on God, we're able to, to see purpose again. We're able to see a bigger picture. We come out from ourselves, you know. Um, and I definitely don't think, you know, we should not look at situations and things that are going well. This is not to say if you have problems, you know, just regard those and go serve instead, you know, and let's just cover it with my service. No, this is not what we're saying. You know, we need to, to be really intentional to actually deal with the problems that we have. We need to look them in the eye for what they are. We need to acknowledge our disappointments, but we don't have to stay in them and they should not be the reason that we stop serving. You know, always find a way to bless someone else anyway, even though you're in a season of disappointment. How can you extend? How can you rebuild? How can you still be part of a solution? Yeah. And Proverbs also talks about guarding our hearts. You know, it, it says in Proverbs, I want to say it's 423. I didn't write it down. So, you know, maybe it's wrong, but I believe it's Proverbs 423 uh, that says, above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. And if what's in our hearts is going to be flowing into everything that we're doing, we need to guard our hearts. You know, we need to be on guard. We need to make sure that our thought lives, that we're, we're on guard with what's happening in our thought lives. What are we allowing into our thoughts? What are we allowing into our conversations? You know, what are your conversations provoking in others? What do they provoke in you? You know, we need to be on guard. Uh, and Nehemiah understood that when he realized that the enemy was after them and didn't like that they were rebuilding. We'll go to Nehemiah chapter four, verses 15 to 18, just to see, you know, how he responded to that. And it says, when our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half of my men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah, who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. And I love the picture that this gives because I think it's such a rich picture of what walking with God actually looks like, you know? One hand reaching out to serve and one hand holding a weapon. And this is something that I think we need to do in our, our daily lives every single day, you know? While we're serving, we're ready to fight. You know, so many times we want to just have, this is my time over here where I have my time with God and I'm ready to fight, you know, all of my enemies and deal with myself and sort all my things out. And then once I do that, I'm going to go over here and then I'll serve because now I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm able to give something, you know. Uh, and God doesn't want us just to separate those things, you know. Yeah, it's important to have that time with God, but don't wait to be perfect before you start serving. You know, we don't have to be perfect before we're able to give. God put something in every single one of us to bring to the table. You know, you have something inside of you to bring to the table. Whether or not you feel like you're completely sorted out yet, you have something to bring. You have something that you can use to serve. And God wants us to combine those things, you know. And so many times I find that God meets with me while I'm serving. And he starts dealing with me and my weaknesses while 
I'm serving, you know? We're never going to be completely perfect. We're never going to be fully sorted out just to go and, you know, give the perfect service. God wants to grow us through our service. He wants to meet with us as we walk forward, as we serve others, as we extend the kingdom, you know, as we become part of the solution. And so we want to have our hands always in this position of serving and one sword, one hand with a sword, your weapon, ready to fight. And if you need to take your weapon with you, you need to know who your enemy is. So as I said, if you recognize that you struggle with complaints and your attitude, then you need to carry the weapon of thanksgiving and praise with you in everything that you do. If you find that you're the type of person who gets really consumed with their disappointments or with where you're at, you know, right then and there, your weapon is to go out and to find a way to bless somebody else, to look outwardly, not to just get consumed by what's happening with you. You know, if, if your enemy is gossip and you realize that you constantly just have something to say about someone, that person that you really want to speak ill of, your weapon is going to be to speak life over them because that's what's going to bring change. You know, that's what's going to change you. That's what's going to make your service even more impactful. So as you serve, hold your weapon. Know who your enemy is, you know. And if you haven't ever actually thought about that, start to look at the different patterns and the, the things that you see kind of popping up throughout your day. Notice how your attitude is impacted, you know. Notice how your heart is in service. Um, ask God to show you what's in your heart. Because if God's willing to show you, you know, God's always willing to show us what's in our heart. But if he shows us, that's when we can start moving. That's when we can start working. But we have to be willing to actually acknowledge that something needs to change, you know. Yeah. And something else that I think is really important as Nehemiah was building, especially in a season of disappointment, he was building and serving. The only way that he could do that was because he had hope. And a lot of the time when we get consumed with our disappointment, it's, it's difficult to have hope. And that lack of hope is what keeps us from, from reaching out, from serving anyway, from fighting anyway, because you don't have a will to do that anymore, you know? But uh, it's so important that we have that hope and that we're able to recognize who God is, you know? Because hope is not, hope is not positivity. I find so many times that people talk about positivity now, positivity, positivity. And positivity is not really like a bad thing, but it's not a full picture, you know? Positivity is something where... You know, you see all oh, yeah, the other things are happening here that are not really good. But look at this one. You know, th th we're going to focus on this. Just this. We'll forget about that. This, this is the one, you know. That's kind of what positivity is. But hope is completely different. It's so much deeper than that. Hope is when you're able to actually look at the situation for what it is. You know, the good and the bad, they're both aspects of it. They're both there. But hope comes when you know who your God is. You know, hope comes when you recognize that your God isn't finished yet. Because God is never finished. He's never done. There's always something more that he has to give. And that's what hope is. You know, when we have that hope and we know that God isn't finished, we have the capacity to extend further than what we actually thought that we could. You know, we have the capacity to reach out and to extend our hands. We have the capacity to walk further because we know that there's more ahead. Hope is the thing that keeps us going, you know. And I really see that Nehemiah had hope. Because this was a whole city that was destroyed. The second he goes and starts trying to rebuild it, everyone starts coming against him again. You know, the whole place just got burned down. Why would you even try? That was kind of my perspective when I read this. Why would you even try? Like, this looks like a little bit of a lost cause. Why would you rebuild that city? Just go build a new one somewhere where people aren't after you, you know? Um, but this is what God was wanting of him, you know? And, and so he was willing to take that step, to be part of the solution, and to serve anyway. And that takes hope. But Nehemiah knew who his God was. Do you know 
who your God is in your disappointment? Do you know who God is in that situation that you're stressed about right now? Because he's not finished yet. There's so much more, but we have to be willing to, to extend our hands anyway and to serve in the waiting. Yeah. And something that Nehemiah talks about a little bit later on is that uh, as they were serving, as they were building, uh, they actually carried their weapons with them even when they went to go and to take a drink of water. You know, they didn't even go to be refreshed without carrying that weapon to guard their hearts, to guard their minds. They constantly had that ready to fight the enemy. And it's really easy for us to kind of drop that when we're going into like a good season, you know, or we're having a nice fun night or whatever. We're like, okay, I'm just going to drop this now because everything's good, you know, I'm, I'm good, things are fine. And everything feels safe and good, but the enemy comes in, in really sneaky ways, you know. All it takes is a thought, you know, all it takes is one conversation. So take your weapon with you, even when you're going to be refreshed. Because even in those times of refreshment, you want to have that weapon with you. You want to have God with you. Always on guard, checking your heart, helping you to be the best version that you can be in that moment. And we're going to continue on now uh, to Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 7 to 9. And I just want to give a little bit more context of what was happening here. Uh, because at this point, Nehemiah has uh, essentially completed the building. You know, they've, they've rebuilt the walls. Uh, everything is up again. They're starting to build, you know, houses and homes within the city. Um, and, you know, his work is done. So he was faithful to complete that. And then he actually went back to that position of service to the king to be the cupbearer again. And he was there for a time. Uh, and then afterward, the king actually gave him permission to go back to the city to be with uh, those people again. And so he goes back, and now we'll pick up again here, starting in verse 7. And it says, When I arrived back in Jerusalem, I learned about Eliashib's evil deed in providing Tobiah with a room in the courtyards of the temple of God. Remember Tobiah? You know, the one that was actually coming against them earlier? He was the one who was essentially trying to destroy the wall as they were trying to rebuild it, constantly attacking them. Yeah, well, this guy. And I saw this you know, and I was like, what on earth? Why are they housing this guy who essentially has attacked them this entire time? He's not helped them at all. He's made their life a lot more difficult. Really, I'm just not sure why they've actually created a space for him to just dwell among them, you know? Um, didn't make sense to me. Anyway, we'll continue on, verses eight and nine. It says, I became very upset and threw all of Tobiah's belongings out of the room. Then I demanded that the room be purified, and I brought back the articles for God's temple, the grain offerings and the frankincense. And like I said, I was shocked a bit the first time I read this. Like, why, why the heck are they letting this guy here? Uh, and as I was kind of processing that with God, uh, he was showing me that that's often you and me, you know, because uh, our sin doesn't serve us. You know, it doesn't help us. It's not for us goes completely against us. But so many times we create a little space for it anyway, you know, and we allow it to dwell there. And we think, okay, well, just this one time, you know, or I'll, I'll be done with this later, but for now it can stay. And we create that little room, that little space in the back of our hearts, and we just bury it back there. But we let it stay. And we become hospitable with it, you know, and make it its nice little room. And we can't continue to be hospitable to what isn't serving God in our lives. We can't continue to be hospitable with our sin. 
we need to treat it the way that Nehemiah was treating it. We need to, to kick it out, you know? We can't keep saving that little space. Oh, but, you know, I, I can't seem to get rid of this one, so I'm just going to have to live with it. You know, it just it's going to have to stay there. I, I can't keep fighting that. You know, I can't keep trying to go against that. It's just it's part of who I am now. You know, it is what it is. It's just there. I don't think I'll ever find victory over that one. We can't stop fighting against our sin. We can't just create that space for it. We need to, to deal aggressively with it in the same way that Nehemiah did. He went and he found that Tobiah was in that room and he was like, absolutely not. You get out. You don't have a space here. You know, this is the city that belongs to God. And he took him out and he purified it. He purified everything in the room. He took out everything in the room that had to do with Tobiah. He got rid of it. He cleaned the place. And this is how we need to deal with the sin that we find in our lives, the one that we want to hide way back there. We need to take it and throw it out and clean our hearts of this and, and be really intentional with the limits that we set for ourselves, with, with being intentional with not walking in this way anymore, you know, because when we're being hospitable with the enemy, we're making our own lives more difficult, you know? We're allowing there to be an enemy that comes against us as we try to build. But when we kick that out, there's so much more that God is able to do in us and through us. And I know we're not perfect. You know, God uses broken things. He uses us even in the process. But when we have conviction that we've been housing something there, it's time to let it go. And if there's something that you recognize in your life today that it's time to let go of, I want to challenge you to, to be aggressive with it today, to kick it out, to not give it that space anymore. And if you're struggling to, to find, you know, a, a hope, in that because you feel like you've just been constantly living with that struggle. I want to let you know that there is hope, you know. God can always move. God can always work in things, but we need to give him that space. We need to give him that availability in our hearts to do it. And as the worship team comes back up, let's ask God to show us the things that we have in our hearts that maybe aren't serving him. You know, what are we being hospitable to that isn't bringing his life, you know? Uh, and if you find yourself in a position where you've lost hope in any ways in the midst of your disappointments, we want to ask as well that God would just be able to refresh you with that hope that only comes from him. So God, we just want to come before you this morning, God, and we just want to um, present everything that we have in our lives to you, Father. We want to give you the disappointments that we have. We want to ask, Father, that you would bring your hope in the midst of those things, Father. Bring your perspective, bring your truth in your life, Father. We want to ask, Father, that there would just be a refreshment and a renewal of hope for anyone that is listening, Father, that feels like they've lost hope, Father. Would you just call that to life within them again, Father? We call that back to life, God. And God, we just want to ask that you would continue to walk with us every single moment as we continue to serve, as we continue to be part of the solution, Father. We want to know that you are walking with us, before us and behind us, God. We know that, that truth may be in our minds, Father, but we want to know it in our spirit as well, Father. We choose to believe that today, God, that you are with us every single moment, Father. So we just want to give you the rest of our week, Father. And yeah, we ask that you would just make something beautiful of it, God. In your name we pray. And if you haven't had a chance to personally experience that hope that we find through Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity to do that today. It's not a super wild thing you need to do. It's just a little prayer, and you can just repeat after me. God, I just want to come before you. And yeah, I want to recognize and acknowledge the things that I've done. Father, there's 
maybe many of them, God, and, and to name them all would take a really long time, but you know what those things are, Father. And I want to give my life to you, God. I want to experience that hope that comes from you, God. I want you to be the one to lead me and to guide me from here on out, Father. So I just want to give my life to you, God, and ask you to do what you will with it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanger.org, for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.